Thank you, Jesus, for his great love for us and his sacrifice on that cross so that we could be redeemed, so that we could have everlasting comfort. Our theme today is just that, comfort, comfort in the God of all comforts. Thank you so much, Lincoln Carice, for that song, and also the Carnes family, the privilege of being heirs of heaven as we think of our God and his greatness and goodness, and yet he calls us his children. Not just calls us, we are accepted in the beloved. We are there as joint heirs with Christ. We are in Christ. Oh, what a privilege that is for us. And it ought to motivate us each and every day as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we face temptation, as we face sin and failure, to have comfort, to have hope in our God. We have those things, don't we? Failures, discouragement, frustrations, hopelessness, sorrow, death. The world's full of those things. It is very easy for us to be discouraged. It is very easy for our hearts to be troubled. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, it is easier to have peace. And you might say, wait a minute. Well, it is. The reason is, is because the peace isn't something we have to work up or invent. It is simply, and I know this is where people get it to be hard, and I understand that, but it is just simply a yielding to the Spirit of God and allowing Him to bring peace regardless of what is going on all around us. Do we have peace? Do we have comfort? In our church's covenant, we declare and we covenant together that we engage by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, in holiness, and in comfort. We've looked at the topic of knowledge and of holiness now today we come to the topic of comfort. I believe they're combined and related. <clears throat> we have to be careful of taking a covenant or a statement of faith or a creed and lifting it above the Scriptures. But it is helpful for us sometimes to see them together and to see and learn from them, such as our church covenant, to put truths all together. I think that these three aspects are actually connected to each other. There is a sense of knowledge. Think of it with me in this context. A knowledge of my sin. A knowledge of God's holiness. A knowledge of the judgment my sin deserves. A recognition of the holiness God demands. Do you see now here why there is a need 
for comfort. Think of the occasions and the times in history when men have seen God. They collapse. They collapse in the majesty and glory of God. We sang holy, holy, holy just moments ago, and it reminds me of Isaiah when he saw a vision of God and he heard the seraphim around the throne of God crying and echoing throughout eternity in praise to God Almighty, the Holy One, as they declare and cry, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. In that vision, Isaiah needed to be comforted as he realized his helpless state before a holy God. And what a beautiful truth it is that the whole message of Scripture is a history and a narrative of how God, knowing our helpless state before Him, loves us and desires to make us holy and to comfort us. And as this is God's desire and passion for each one of us, and I say each one of us, yes, collectively as the church, as the body of Christ, but also individually, this is a passion and desire He has for us, so it also should be for us to have towards others. Do we strive for the advancement of knowledge, of holiness and comfort within this church? Let us pursue in that. And may I point out one very important little phrase in our covenant that is underlying to this whole topic. By the aid of the Holy Spirit, there lies the key. There lies the key. What is comfort? Where does it come from? I think we might know what discouragement is or what trouble is. Comfort. Earlier this morning, we had a time of surveying the Scriptures. Well, actually, you all surveyed the Scriptures as we looked at the theme of comfort throughout the Scriptures. We've, a theme came back of what comfort is, is a peace. There is a joy and a rejoicing. There is hope. It is the opposite of a cast-down spirit, but a lifted-up spirit. It's the opposite of discouragement. It is encouragement. It is a peace and a hope. But what is its source? What is the source of comfort? Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? Last week, we were looking at the topic of, of holiness. And we found that there is much spoken on this topic in the epistles to the Corinthians. When we talked about knowledge and looked at it, we learned also that uh, that's a key passage of what God desires for us as taught in Corinthians. The entire letter of 2 Corinthians is a lot about comfort. In fact, if you were to actually take and count all the words that comfort all the times that the word comfort appears in 2 Corinthians and compare it to the other books of the Bible, you'll find that this one here just lights up. It's filled with concepts of comfort right off from the very beginning. 
And it helps us to know a little bit of background as to why this letter has such significance relating to comfort. It has to do with the first letter. The book of 1 Corinthians, that letter, that first letter, was Paul dealing with some very serious problems with the church at Corinth. And he was very direct, he was very blunt, and he was very specific to call out the problems, to rebuke, and to correct that church. Well, it had the desired result for Paul in that that which was wrong in the church was fixed. It was fixed. But there was a new problem, and that was that there was a sorrow. There was a sorrow in the church, and Paul was troubled by that. Yes, sin needed to be dealt with. Yes, there needed to be a solution to these problems. Yes, there needed to be humility. But in the midst of sorrow, which he acknowledges there's a godly sorrow, there also needs to be comfort. There was also a problem and a struggle in this church because of persecution and tribulations that were coming. Taking from another epistle, it's, yea, that all will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. There were some tribulations also that they were facing in this church. And Paul writes this letter of 2 Corinthians to further encourage them to keep on doing what is right. But he writes it in the tone of comfort because he has seen that there has been a godly sorrow unto repentance and he is thrilled by that and thereby he seeks to comfort them and as we look at all of his comfort in the second letter to the corinthians we learn a little bit about comfort particularly the source of comfort the source of comfort look with me here at the introduction of this letter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Here is the primary source of comfort. The source of comfort is the God of mercy. In fact, may I rephrase it as it is stated in the Scriptures, the source of all comfort is the Father of mercies. He is the God of all comfort. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom, by the way, we are joint heirs with. We are the children of God with Jesus Christ. And this causes us to say with Paul, blessed be God. Blessed be God as we see him and know him and learn about him as the father of mercies. In our modern world, the image of fatherhood is sometimes twisted 
And oftentimes it also then twists the image of the heavenly father. Here we see an accurate depiction of a father. Here described as the father of mercies. We all were disobedient children. Every one of us. And yet this father shows us mercy in sending us his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And in the midst of that, he was made sin for us. As Link is saying earlier, I was the thorn. It was my sin that caused those thorns to be nailed, put into his head, and those nails to go into his hands and feet. Those were driven by my sin, by your sin. Ye, we, while yet sinners, Christ died for us. Us, the ungodly. Do you see the mercy? Do you see the mercy? Think of a time when you experienced the mercy of a father. Some have a hard time with this. And if you do, think of this father. What a beautiful picture this is of a loving kindness and a mercy of God resulting in a comfort. In all comfort. So the source of all comfort is God. But did you notice here, and we're going to come back to this in a little while, that it, as we are comforted, His comfort flows through us to others. So as we engage to strive for the advancement of this church as people, a congregation in comfort, we need to know more of the comfort of God, the God of all comfort. He's the source, and it flows through His Son, Jesus, and it also flows through the Holy Spirit. Take your Bibles and turn with me back to John chapter 14, famous passage describing to us the history and the events the night before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus began this conversation by instructing his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Does that sound like someone who needs to be comforted? Well, here Jesus is actually giving to them the antidote for discouragement, for a troubled heart. His antidote is that I'm going away, but I'm coming again. And in the meantime, while I've gone away, I, or the Father, will send to you another comforter. He basically declares to us um, in John chapter 14 and verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In those days and times when we are discouraged, when we need comfort, we must not forget this fact. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Jesus is coming again. And the reality of that fact, which is one reason why the world and even those pseudo-theologians doubt and question and challenge that fact, is because it is a key piece to our hope and to our comfort to our comfort, and that is that Jesus is coming back. He, and he implies by this that I will be that comfort in person. We're going to find out as we survey through the New Testament that there's a lot of questions and issues 
relating to distance connected with, with comfort or the need for comfort. You know, it's hard to comfort somebody when they're on the other side of the world. This morning we heard a testimony of one who was found comfort being on the other side of the world when someone came to them for a few days to bring them that comfort. So the same situation scenario often occurs in our own lives. We find ourselves in places where we are alone. We are alone with our thoughts or we are physically alone. And the multitude of our thoughts can oftentimes result in discouragement and sorrow. We need comfort. And so I tell you, look to Jesus, the blessed hope. And you may say, yes, but he's not come back yet. Well, let's look at what he said when he said, I won't leave you comfortless, I'll come to you, inferring that he himself is going to be that comfort when he comes. But if you look earlier in verse 16, before he declares this, that he's not going to leave you comfortless, he's going to come for you, he speaks of someone else who will come. Verse 16, he says, Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. The word here has the idea of one who comes alongside. You see, Jesus is about to leave. He's about to die the next day. He's going to be buried. Three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. And then 40 days later, he's going to send up to heaven. He's going to be gone. He's going to go to prepare a place for us. He's already shared. And there is hope and there is comfort in the fact that he's promised to come again. He won't leave us comfortless. But not only will he not leave us comfortless by the promise that he's coming back, in the meantime, he gives to us another comforter, the one who comes alongside, and we find that this is the Holy Spirit. Well, look what it says here in verse 16 again. Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit of God is that another comforter that when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are put into the body of Christ, we also receive the Holy Spirit of God who is with us forever. All the way and every day up to that time when Jesus comes back to comfort us and throughout all eternity, we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. Have you received the Spirit of truth? Well, if we keep reading the words of Jesus, we find out that this Spirit of truth, verse 17 whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You have to know Jesus to have this spirit of truth living inside of you, being with you. The concept of comfort, the reality of comfort is one who comes alongside and lifts up your spirit, who comes alongside and speaks truth to you to encourage you in hope. He is the one who comes alongside. It is vitally, vividly true with the Holy Spirit of God. And if we remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we as those who have the Spirit of God, does that same truth flow through us and that same comfort flow through us? And are we coming alongside others to bring that same comfort to others? The source of all the comfort is God. Do you see how he sends his Spirit as the one who brings it? 
and through us, we can bring that same comfort to others. Notice here in, first, in, in John chapter 14, in verse 17, how the Spirit of God is described. This another comforter. He's described as the Spirit of truth. Here is a vitally key important part relating to the source of comfort. The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, is the source of comfort. It is manifested through Jesus Christ and his, his incarnation and in becoming one of us. It flows through us by the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit of truth uses something very special. The Scriptures. The Holy Word of God. You see, the source is still God of all comfort. And He has revealed to us and He gives to us comfort through the Word of God. This is one reason why, again, I mentioned earlier that when our church covenant speaks of us striving for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, they are combined and together. So much of the time when we say, I don't know how to comfort that one, is because we don't know the Scriptures. Or worse, we don't know the Spirit of God who will teach us all truth. So oftentimes when I go to visit someone in the hospital to bring comfort to them, as I shared this morning, I'm often the one who leaves feeling comforted. And one reason for that is, is that I, before I go in to visit someone, will meditate and think through scriptures of comfort, scriptures of hope. But before I just open up my Bible and start reading, you know what I ask? Do you have a passage of scripture you'd like me to read to you? And most of the time, they do. And as I begin to read the scripture they've selected, my heart is filled with comfort. And I realize why, even though I come to give comfort, and that coming alongside still is that part. And when I finish reading the scripture so often, people will say, thank you. And I want to say, thank you. Because I thought through and tried to think of what scripture would encourage you, and I, I couldn't come close to this one. That is an illustration of the Spirit of God even working in the midst of that individual's life and bringing comfort. And if we keep reading and surveying the whole theme of comfort, especially throughout the New Testament epistles, we will find that when one desires to come and comfort, the other is comforted. And it's this reciprocal comfort that takes place. Paul is discouraged and he is burdened for those in Corinth, for those at Ephesus, for those at Colossae, for those at Thessalonica. And he sends these different people there to learn of their affairs and to also share with them the affairs of Paul to bring comfort to them. And what we find out is that it becomes a reciprocal back and forth comfort that they have in sharing of that coming alongside. That's why Coming alongside and fellowship is so important. We name our church Fellowship Baptist Church. Fellowship. This is the coming alongside together as we strive together for the advancement of this church in knowledge and holiness and comfort. Are we comforting one another? In Romans chapter 15, Verse 4, it says that whatsoever things were written aforetime, 
speaking of the Holy Scriptures, were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. This is why it is vitally important that day by day we are feasting in the Holy Scriptures. It's vitally important why we need to be walking with the Holy Spirit of God, why we need to be patient, resting in the Spirit of God, and allowing the comfort of His Word to lift us up. There is hope in the Scriptures. There is comfort in the Scriptures. In Psalm 119, the psalmist there declares that he remembered the judgments of God from of old. And this is what he says, and have comforted myself. This morning, I encourage you to go comfort people. But I also encourage you that in those times when there is no one there to comfort you, that you comfort yourself in the Spirit, in the, in the Scriptures. And as you do that, I can assure you that the Spirit of God, through whom is ultimately the source of all comfort, will comfort you. Follow the model set by the psalmist in 119 and remember his judgments. Remember his words. Remember his dealings with mankind of old. And as you do, be comforted. Be comforted. I would encourage this morning as we did a survey through of different scriptures from just looking up the word comforted and one brought to our attention that there was a day in which um, one of the patriarchs refused to be comforted. So often... <laughs> The reason why we find ourselves continuing to spiral in discouragement is because we refuse to be comforted. We refuse to be comforted by well-meaning people. By the way, be careful that it's not just about well-meaning because sometimes well-meaning people can bring a lot more uh, trouble. But um, at the same time, when we find ourselves in trouble, and our hearts troubled, when we find our hearts sick, we must be careful not to be refusing to be comforted, both comforting ourselves by the Word of God through the Holy Spirit, but allowing others to comfort us with truth. There's something interesting in the Psalm 94, verse 19, where it says, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Psalm 94, 19, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Can we take a few moments and think about the multitude of my thoughts? Hmm, my mind sometimes races. I think a lot of people's minds race. 
And this, the reason why I think this is, this is one of the reasons why there is so much substance abuse in the world today is because in order to process that and that multitude of thoughts that are sometimes bitter and problematic, um, it results in sickness, in a sick mind and a sick heart. So the question is, what are we filling our minds with? What are we filling our minds with? Are we filling them and keeping track of all that is odd against us? Are we filling them with perversions? Are we, are we filling our minds with hope, with Scripture? What are we filling our minds with? How are we allowing our minds to be filled so that the comforts of God can be our delights? Oftentimes, we get into trouble when we allow our thoughts I describe it as spiraling out of control. Well, we have a multitude of thoughts, and do they spiral out of control? Well, if our multitude of thoughts are on the delights and comforts of the Scripture, they will spiral into hope. They will lift us up into hope. And so the source of comfort, as we seek and, and we strive to advance this church in comfort, we have to recognize the source is the God of all comfort. All comfort comes from him. And he does this through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the one by whom we all are redeemed to God, the most important transaction to bring us comfort ever in the history of mankind is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection to bring us comfort from sin and to give us hope. The spirit of God is given as one who comes alongside us as believers to comfort us, the spirit of truth to teach us. And when we have the spirit of God, we as individuals can comfort others. Are we doing that? As is described in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look, let me read it again here. Here we have, blessed be God, 2 Corinthians 1.3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. The source of all comfort comes from God. As we are comforted, then we by this same comfort which is really the agency through the Holy Spirit, comfort others. We become a channel of comfort, a channel of comfort. That's the reason why when we're not sure how to comfort someone, we need to make sure that we are in fellowship with God because all comfort comes from Him. And we're going to have a very hard time, well, Really, truth is, in some senses, it's impossible for us to provide true comfort unless we become the channels of it through God. This is sad sometimes when the world seems to have more empathy or compassion than Christians. We need to have compassion that we can be sensitive to the Spirit of God, longing to, you, to comfort others through us. 
There were so many examples throughout the New Testament of Paul and other co-laborers, Justice and Timothy and Titus, all coming to provide comfort. There's a lot of them that we don't have time to cover this morning, but would you turn with me in this same letter, 2 Corinthians to chapter 7 and verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 6. Remember last week we talked about holiness? That's in chapter 6, flowing right into chapter 7, verse 1. We're called to be holy so we continue walking in holiness because we have had a promise from the Father that we are the sons and daughters of the Lord God Almighty. Therefore, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, First one of chapter 7, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then he goes on and he talks about some things relating to the topic of comfort. And in verse, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 6, he speaks of the fact that they were, they were really overwhelmed in tribulation, and they had some no rest in the flesh. They were troubled on every side. There were fightings without. There were fears within, just in a really bad place. Then he says in verse 6, nevertheless, God, the source of all comfort, remember from chapter 1, nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down. He's speaking of himself as being cast down comforted us, how? By the coming of Titus. He speaks of Titus as the one who came, and God of all comfort used Titus to bring comfort to Paul. I find that interesting. Paul, you would think this guy would know how to, quote, comfort himself directly with the Holy Spirit and through God. Well, there is comfort in that. That's the ultimate. But do you notice how God also uses people? And here is the challenge for us. Will we be used by the Spirit of God and by the God of all comfort to bring comfort? And will we allow others to be used by the Spirit of God to comfort us? We see here that there is comfort in tribulations. Same was true back in chapter 1. There are so many different tribulations. We read over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that there is comfort and sorrow in time of death, both in the valley and the shadow of death, and also when those who die, well, we sorrow, but we sorrow not as those who have no hope. For in that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have the declaration of the resurrection and also the coming of Jesus. And at the end of the climax, the declaration of the coming of Jesus and the resurrection of all those in Christ... It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We comfort one another with the words of God in times of death and sorrow. There's another time in which there is a need for comfort. It's also found in 2 Corinthians. Would you turn with me back to chapter 2? I'd like to just read the verse and then talk about it for a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, says this, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. So that contrarize, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, 
lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. What is this? Well, in the church of Corinth in particular, there was a really bad man. Oh, but he wasn't a bad man, but he was a bad man. You see, he was a Christian, but he was doing some very bad things, and he needed to be dealt with. The letter of 1 Corinthians was dealing with some of those things. We find out, glory to God, that this man has repented, and he has dealt with his sin. And Paul is saying, though this man committed sins unthinkable to you, forgive him, comfort him, that he be not overcome in sorrow. This is dealing with the situation of sorrow over sin and sin in the extreme ugliness side of it. I submit to you that as brothers and sisters, we forgive even in the smallest as well as in the biggest. And we comfort in the smallest as in the biggest. Do we forgive and do we bring comfort? Yes, there is a legitimate godly sorrow that leads to repentance. But the whole glorious truth of the gospel is that it is good news in the time of sorrow. And so do we be those agents of forgiveness and comfort in times of sorrow over sin? Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here we have yet another admonition to comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren. Here is an exhortation, a command, an instruction. We exhort you, an encouragement. Brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. This verse is really challenging to me. Just in the same way that we come and we are to comfort and forgive those who are caught up in sorrow over sin, to bring them the hope and the gospel and to encourage them and uplift them in this, there is a need for us to be warning the unruly. That's kind of what Paul did in 1 Corinthians and now he's instructing in comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Notice it says all men. Comfort the feeble-minded. This is a very interesting word. The feeble-minded. The God of all comfort wants us to comfort the feeble-minded. You might recognize the Greek word. There's two Greek words, and the second one you're going to recognize the word here translated feeble-minded is little psycho. Little psycho. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Psychos. We use that word, don't we? Now, the context of it here in this, in Greek, and how it translates over into English is, 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 is different. But as you think about it, it's not. Part of the admonition here is comfort the psychos. What is a little psycho? Well, the word psych here is, has different connotations and senses and nuances, but it carries the idea of, of life, spirit, where a person is in their life. 
Here, it could be translated as one who is discouraged, one who has little life, little spirit. Oftentimes, these are the kind of people we don't want to deal with. We don't have patience for them. But here the admonition is is that there is a need to warn them that are unruly, to comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. So oftentimes, those who need psychiatric treatment first and foremost need Holy Spirit indwelling. They need a comforter. They need the Spirit of God. And then can others come alongside as comforters in the psychiatric treatment of these individuals. Described here as comfort the feeble-minded. And remember, how do we comfort them, no matter who they are? Perhaps me? The God of all comfort through His Spirit and through His Word. So oftentimes, the multitude of our thoughts mess up our psyche. Our thoughts need to be refocused on the promises of God and move forward in that truth. So this morning, brothers and sisters, I encourage you, know the God of all comfort. Allow yourself to be filled with His Holy Spirit. Do not refuse to be comforted, but seek the comfort found in God's holy word and be comforted. And as you are comforted, may you be that human being filled with the Spirit of God who comes alongside other human beings, no matter how strong or weak, and bring to them hope, comfort that is found only in Jesus Christ. Paul concludes 2 Corinthians just as he began it. I loved how one of you observed that this morning. He begins, he, he begins speaking and giving instructions on comfort, and he ends by saying, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with an holy kiss. By the way, I think we need to start again our greeting times on Sunday mornings. That's what this is. Greet one another with an holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen? Amen. Finally, brethren, be of good comfort. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Fill us with your spirit. Use us 
to comfort others. I pray that you would comfort us and that we thereby can then comfort others. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit. I pray this morning for those who have not received your spirit that today they would believe on Jesus Christ and receive the spirit of God, receive comfort. May we go forth and be challenged and encouraged in the hope that is in you. Blessed be you, our great God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father too, the Father of mercy, the God of hope. May we walk in you and know you more in this day, we pray. Amen.